Good morning. For those of you that are worshiping with us online, good morning to you as well. Feel free to use the chats to to communicate with your leader there, your pastor there online. We always love to see who is worshiping with us, not just physically, but also online. So thanks for being a part of our worship service today. I think you've heard it once, maybe you've heard it twice, potentially three times, but we got to keep talking about it. Wind shape took place this week and 17, one, seven, 17 kids gave their hearts to Jesus. I mean, I love you and all, and I don't want to be too critical, but that should give a little bit more than a golf clap. 17 kids gave their hearts to Jesus. Man. There's something different when it's just a man, good job, versus a life change. I think sometimes we celebrate a birth more than we celebrate a birthday. This has nothing to do with my sermon. I'm just getting on a soapbox really quick, so bear with me. (laughs) This is their birthday, their spiritual birthday, and we get to celebrate with them. And there are kids in 252 right now that are worshiping, and we get to celebrate with them. We're starting a new middle school um, ministry, and you may have seen them outside there um, with—I'm not even going to— say maybe salmon color. I have no idea. I can't spell the word salmon, so I probably shouldn't use that in a sentence. But they're in colored shirts. They're going to be talking about our middle school ministry. And it's not just because we want another ministry here at the church. It's because we want to see more lives change so that we can yell with heaven, man, what a reason to celebrate. We had a baptism this morning. What a reason to celebrate, church. It is good to be in God's presence, and it's good to be here with you guys. For those of you that don't know me, um, my name is Aaron Varner, and I'm the administrative pastor here, so I'm usually doing behind-the-scenes stuff. This is um, secondary to me, so sometimes I get a little finicky, and I get a little anxious, and I've I've drank too much coffee this morning, so I'm moving around. Hang with me. I'm not going to jump around a lot in Scripture today, so if you did bring your Bibles with me, you can kind of put your um, fingers or your bookmark or anything in, in two specific spots. The first one is Mark 10, verse 46 through 52, and the second one is in Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 7. So to begin this morning, would you stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word from Mark Chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, I'm reading from the New International Version. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, 
I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's pray. Lord, I'd ask you, I beg of you to help us come boldly before you today. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. All right, so let me set the stage for you. Jericho is about 15 miles northeast of um, Jerusalem, okay? Remember, this is not 2023 that we're talking about. We're talking about 30 to 33 A.D. The roads weren't the same as they are now, so 15 miles is a little further, but yet it's a trek. And so here's the thing is they're going to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, If you keep continuing, if you continue to read on in Mark right after this story that I just read, it is the story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, which we celebrate Palm Sunday. So 15 miles away, he's going through Jericho, and Jericho has a main street that you go through, and so this main street is going to have a lot of pilgrims that are on their way to Jerusalem. Now, not everybody can make that pilgrimage, so the people who can't are alongside the roads as As we hear about in the Palm Sunday, they're waving their branches and they're celebrating those that are going on. So there's a crowd. There's pilgrims that are going to Jerusalem. There's people that are encouraging those pilgrims as they go to Jerusalem. And there's this guy, Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus goes to a spot. Now, I'm reading into the scripture a little bit. So know this is my interpretation, but he's a blind guy in the first century. I imagine that this is what he does on a daily basis. There wasn't Braille back then. There wasn't the nice canes or the walking dogs that they had. This guy was blind. So I imagine that he was there, he was begging for food or begging for money each and every day, and this crowd comes up and And so he's going, man, this is a lot more people here that I get to beg from today. What's going on? Who's all this excitement about? And as history tells us, rabbis would often be gathered around by their disciples. And they're walking along this journey and they teach as they talk. So Jesus is more than likely he's talking and he's teaching his disciples as he goes through Jericho and as people are happily waving stuff and celebrating that they're going to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Jesus is walking and teaching. And Bartimaeus is like, who is this? And all of a sudden, they're going, hey, it's Jesus of Nazareth. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Well, the blind man, Bartimaeus starts going, hey, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And you have to think those people who are trying to listen to Jesus, those crowds, Probably even the religious leaders are going, hey, can you be quiet? I can't hear Jesus. Just stop. Stop begging. Just let us get through and then you can continue your begging. And he goes, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, call him. Call him over here. So Bartimaeus gets up. You heard the story. And he follows Jesus. 
Now, my Bible has these little headings over different sections, and it's blind Bartimaeus receives his sight. That's what my Bible says. I like to think of it with a little bit of alliteration. Blind Bart's bold begging. It's not just about him receiving a sight. That's cool. But that's just one portion of it. Because his interaction with Jesus kind of escalated throughout this story. He comes to the place to beg for food, money, we're assuming. That's his routine and simple thing that he does each and every day. He goes. It's routine. He sits by the road, begs for money, begs for food. He finds out Jesus is coming by. The begging for money, the begging for food, changes to a cry for mercy. It's a new and it's a different plea. No longer, hey, I need some food, I need some money. Now it's, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus calls him. And his simple begging that went to a new and different begging now becomes a bold begging. Because Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He came to this place seeking food and money. Then he just, all he wants is mercy. He just, he just wants mercy. But Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Well, you have to think if he came, for food, came to that place for food and money, the natural thing is, I need food and money. But he doesn't go there because he goes to the heart of his issues. And he goes boldly and he says, I want to see. So you've got this routine thing that he's asking for, food and money, and then he's got this new thing, that, this different thing, and it's just a blanket thing, I just want mercy. And then he comes to a specific bold thing and he says, I want to see. Today you came to church. Today you chose to join us online. Why did you come? Did you come because it's routine? It's what you do every Sunday. Get up, get dressed, come to church, it's routine, it's what we do, we're Christians, it's Sunday. Did you come expecting there to be some fun, fanfare, but maybe not participate in it? I'm just going to watch to see what goes on, I'm just going to see the, the pilgrims who are going to Jesus, I'm going to wave them on and celebrate them. Or did you come to to experience God? Maybe you actually came to hear Pastor Bob preach. If you did, I'm sorry. You can leave. There's no judgment here. (laughs) But I wonder how we came today. Regardless of why you're here, why you're worshiping with us online, regardless of that, I believe God has you here because He wants to hear your cry for mercy, and he wants to hear you articulate your deepest desires. Here's the thing I think we can learn about Bartimaeus' progression in asking. I think we tend to pray simple, not bold prayers. I think we tend to to, to pray simple prayers and not bold prayers. Let me give you an example. A simple prayer is for something or a thing. 
Maybe that mercy. Maybe a blessing. It's something or a thing. A bold prayer is the thing. Okay, let me give you a worldly example. So um, this was about 13 years ago, and um, I'm dating, if you can call it that, because I'm in Berlin, Germany. My girlfriend at the time, she's in Nashville, Tennessee. We've since been married, so that's the end of the story. I'll get there. Um, But I was in Berlin, Germany. She was in Nashville, Tennessee. So we had been for about um, five months or so, something like that, uh, communicating. That's the best way we could do dating because we couldn't be together. And I felt like the Lord said, she's the one that you should marry. It was a process for me. She got there a lot quicker than I did. But I thought, I'm in Berlin. She's in, now in Florida at that point. And I thought, what, what can I do? So I call her dad from Germany. And I say, um, hi there. Uh, How's it going? How's the weather? You know, no, I just said, hey, listen, if I um, fly into Orlando next Friday, would you be willing to pick me up from the airport? I'd like to talk with you. And he goes, sure. I think that was what he said. (laughs) Hope that's what he said. So this was the week before, so I get the plane ticket. I fly Wake up so early, fly Berlin to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Detroit, Detroit to Orlando, and I'm going to meet my girlfriend's dad. For those of you that like Pastor Bob, he is my now father-in-law. For those of you that don't like him, I'm not associated with him at all. (laughs) I love you. So Pastor Bob, six foot six, six foot seven, something like that. He's muscular, he's intimidating, and he has exactly one daughter. (laughs) I can tell you where every bathroom in Amsterdam, Detroit, and Orlando airports are. (laughs) So I get off the plane, and he's there to greet me, and we go to Chick-fil-A there in the Orlando airport, and I sit him down, and and I look at him, and I I go, hey— Pastor Bob, uh, I, I've got something I just need to ask you. Um, I, I really want to get married at some point. <laughs> so would you be okay if I got married? <laughs> no, absolutely not. That's not how it happened. Okay, you have to understand, I had this all situated very clearly in my mind. I chose to meet at an airport because no guns are allowed. There's security everywhere and security cameras. I am smarter than I look sometimes, okay? And so I I don't just say, hey, I'd like to be married. No. That's just something. That's a thing. I have the conversation with him and I say, I would like to marry your daughter. Would you please allow me the privilege of marrying your daughter? See, a a simple prayer is something where we just say, I'd like something, God, like I'd like a thing. But you get bold when you say, this is the thing that I want. Luckily, he said yes, as I gave that away earlier. 
You know, I think sometimes we go to the world different than we go to God. You go to the doctor's office, and what if you walked in and he goes, hey, how you doing? Good. Well, what's hurting? Well, I just want to be healthy. But there's something actually aching. Or you go to the dentist and you're like, hey, uh, got a toothache. They go, well, which one? Ah, doesn't matter. Just make them feel good. What if you went to the car mechanic and he said, what's wrong with your car? And he's like, ah, something's not working. Just, uh, yeah, just make it good. Why, why do we approach God in that way sometimes? Why do we approach God with those simple prayers? And here's my thing I'm going to go through quickly. And the reason why I'm going to go through quickly is because I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I want to allow the Spirit to speak to you and have you have an opportunity to respond if the Lord is speaking to you. Because I think that a lot of us came in here with heavy burdens. I think a lot of us come in here with some bold prayers that we've been unwilling to pray recently, and I want to offer you an opportunity. Let me tell you why I think we fall into the trap of simple prayers. I've got four quick things. The simple trap. Simple prayer trap, number one, I don't feel qualified. I can't tell you how many times I go to a, a meal with people and they're like, hey, let's pray over our food. And then they look directly at me. <laughs> I just want to be honest with you. It's okay if you pray. I, I've got to, to be candid. I didn't go to seminary. I got my, my business degree my undergrad. I got my MBA. I didn't go to seminary. Sometimes I feel unqualified too. But often I think you, you go, oh, I'm not a pastor. I don't know that I can go boldly before God. A friend once told me there's no such thing as an unqualified prayer. Just talk. Just tell him like you would a dentist, like you would a doctor, like you would the person that you're asking for their daughter's hand in marriage. Simple prayer trap number two, I'm unsure of his will. You know, we're always told pray for, pray for God's will, God's will to be done. But sometimes we hesitate to actually pray boldly because we're going, oh, I'm not sure that that's what he wants. What if Bartimaeus in this story did that? Oh, I shouldn't ask for sight because I, I don't know what Jesus wants. So maybe I'll just not ask. So we pray the Lord's prayer that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But so often I think we want to actually say, hey, thy will be done as it is in my head. Because I'm not, I'm not sure of what your will is. So if you could just take what's in my head and make it your will. <laughs> We'd be good. And so we, we pray these simple prayers because we are concerned we don't know what his will is. The simple prayer trap number three. I feel unworthy. I feel unworthy. Do you remember this story, Bartimaeus? He's, he's on the road begging. And people say, hey, be quiet. Zip it. They're pretty much telling him he's unworthy. What if he stopped? I play the what if game a lot. I'm sorry, you're in my mind right now because I'm just articulating what's in my mind. 
What if he stopped and he thought that? Yeah, man, they're kind of right. I'm a blind beggar. I shouldn't be calling out. I'll, I'll just sit here. I'm not worthy to be heard by son of David, Jesus from Nazareth. What, what if he stopped in that moment because he felt unworthy? The story would be completely different. Brene Brown is one of my favorite authors, and she's a um, psychologist and uh, researcher. And she tells a story in one of her books that um, she said, I went to a counselor because I was having some issues with my husband. She says, I grew up in this family that was huge birthday people. They loved birthdays. They just did it up, balloons, cards, banners, presents, everything. When you woke up in the morning, the whole world knew it was your birthday. I think I married into that family as well. (laughs) But her husband was more like me in that we didn't have huge birthday celebrations. It wasn't that we didn't celebrate birthdays or we didn't acknowledge. It just wasn't huge fanfare, right? And so the first year after they're married, Brene said she goes downstairs and she's expecting this fanfare and wah, wah, wah. She said, there was nothing. There was no card. There was no banner. There were presents. We did something later on that evening, but come on, this is my birthday, not birth evening. (laughs) And her counselor said, hey, hey, Brene, um," she said, have you ever thought to tell him what you would like to have done? Have you ever thought about doing that? Here's Brene's response. If I have to ask, it's not worth it. The counselor tilted her head and said, if you're not asking for what's important to you, maybe it's because you don't think you are worth it. She then said, she said to her counselor, shut up, you're fired, I don't like you. What if oftentimes we don't go to the Lord and we don't ask for what we want because we feel that we're not worth it? What if the thing that we know is so big and so bold, but we go, I'm not worth it? What if we listen to the crowd that's around us and we just go, okay, yeah, they're probably right. I'm unworthy. I'm not worth it. I shouldn't ask. In God's economy, you are worth it. You are worth it. The beauty of this story for me being 2,000 years later is Jesus was one person. He was walking down the road, right? And there was this big crowd and Bartimaeus is yelling out. And one person, Jesus, even in his divinity, is one person and he could only minister to a person. He picks out Bartimaeus. 2,000 years later, we know a whole lot more about this story because Jesus left this earth and he left with us the Holy Spirit. He's still Emmanuel. He's still God with us in Holy Spirit form. And so even if all of you at the same exact time are crying out to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me, his Holy Spirit is big enough to talk with each one of us. You may feel unworth it, like you're not the chosen In God's economy, you're worth it. As the story goes for Bartimaeus, he gets called. 
And the response of the crowd was, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. What if we went to God in prayer knowing that he was calling us and it wasn't just us coming to him? Okay, number four, simple prayer trap. Number four, I want to avoid feeling disappointed or embarrassed. So what if, again, another what if game. What if Bartimaeus goes up to to Jesus and Jesus says, what is it you'd like for me to do for you? And he says, I want to see. And Jesus' response is, hey man, that's cool. I'll pray for you. Have a good one. And walked on. What if that's the way the story turned out? Now we know it doesn't. But if it did turn out that way, here's this guy that just asked boldly of the Lord. I want to see. And he just kind of said, it's good, man, I'll, I'll pray for you. Kind of like we do with some people sometimes, right? And so now Bartimaeus, who caused crowds to stop, who has been begging for stuff, now he has to go back and sit and start begging again. He was called, but then all of a sudden it was like, man, that crowd that was hushing me, they were right. I, I shouldn't have been doing this. Sometimes I think we avoid praying the big prayers, the bold prayers, because we don't want to be embarrassed if God doesn't answer the way we think he should. Or we avoid feeling disappointed. Bartimaeus would have gotten a response from Jesus, and he would have been like, man, I was, I was hoping to, to not have to beg for food anymore. I was hoping to see, so let me just get down in my spot again and start begging for food. The, the disappointment would have been large. Yeah, there's some embarrassment from, because of other people, but a disappointment is more personal. It's an internal versus kind of like that external thing that embarrassment is. But sometimes we feel both. Let me read another quote to you from one of my favorite authors. His name's Brian Zond. As we continue in our Christian life, we may experience enough disappointments in prayer that we slip into praying safe prayers. Prayers that never risk disappointment. We pray careful prayers. Prayers that are so vague and ambiguous that we would be hard-pressed to tell whether or not they were even answered. I know that we've all experienced disappointment in prayer. I know that. I know you have because I have as well. We've all experienced it. You know how I know that? Just, just think about it. You can have somebody over-spiritualize and say, Man, no, Jesus has always been faithful. He is, but this is the paradox of life. He is faithful and sometimes I'm disappointed. It's not either or. Sometimes it can be both. But listen, you age, right? You, you get older. If you don't die young, you age and your body deteriorates. If you don't die young and your body starts deteriorating, you pray for a healing for your body. But guess what? Every single one of us, unless the Lord comes home, we are going to die. 
If we don't die young, we'll die from something else and body will deteriorate or whatever. But there is either disappointment because we weren't healed and we want to stay young because that's how we do things, or there's disappointment because our father or our mother or this or that didn't get healed like we thought. It's human. It is human. So we go through it, but I also read it in Scripture. Did you know that there's a whole book called Lamentations? Have you read through some of the Scripture where David just goes, are you kidding me, God? Where were you in this moment? Read into it. Some of the Bible's not all hunky-dory, and it's okay because it gives us hope. But it's in Scripture. I told you I was going to read from Hebrews 5, verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. We know God heard him. It wasn't because Jesus was deity. It wasn't because Jesus prayed and knocked down the doors of heaven. He prayed and he was heard because of his reverent submission. But did you catch what was said before that? He prayed with petitions and fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. I don't know if you recall, you can't see it right now, but back behind our screen, we have this thing called a cross. Anybody remember what happened on that cross? He prayed to the one who could save him from death, but guess what? God didn't save him from death because something else needed to happen that was so much greater. And if he would have been saved, the whole history of the world would have been changed and we wouldn't be sitting here right now. Thank God that Jesus died for us. But I have to think in in Jesus' humanity, it's not a sin to be disappointed. He prayed for God's will to be done. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. But he wouldn't have prayed, take this cup from me, if he didn't desire it. When it didn't happen, emotions do take place. So praying boldly. Instead of falling into those simple trap prayers that I talked about, the four, four reasons, in my opinion, there are probably more. Praying boldly leads to two outcomes. Delight or disappointment. So Bartimaeus, he has delight. He has what we just experienced with 17 wind shapers giving their hearts to Jesus. He sees his His request was granted. He sees, and what does he do? He follows Jesus. And I believe if you follow scripture, he's a part of that. He was planning on staying in Jericho, but now he's a part of our Palm Sunday. He got to see Jesus ride in on a cult, a prophecy fulfilled because his prayer was answered. So he had delight. When I asked my father-in-law if I could marry his daughter, he said, yes. Delight. Speed up that story a little bit. We're riding from Orlando to my parents' house in in Winter Haven, Florida. It's about an hour and 20 minute drive-ish. 
So my parents lived in a gated community at that point. And you know, I've just flown, I've traveled for about 24 hours at this point, And I'm about to propose to my, my girlfriend. She has no idea that I'm coming, but she's at my parents' house. And I, I mean, like, I've been flying this way. I asked him if I could marry his daughter. Now there's no cameras and there's no security and maybe guns are allowed. I don't know. <laughs> but we're driving in and I said, um, hey, this is, this is the biggest day of my life. Would you mind just saying a prayer for me before we get to the house? And he looks at me and he goes, nope, you're on your own now. <laughs> you can ask him. It's a true story true as true can be, and he'll get me back for this one. But that was the response. Nope, you're on your own now. I went from delight in the airport to want, want, want disappointment. Since then, he's prayed for me a lot. I know that. Um, and we are on good terms. I say that just to lighten the mood a little bit because we experience delight or disappointment when we go boldly before the Lord. Brian Zond again, the one I read earlier, he finishes his quote that I read earlier and he says, if we never actually ask Jesus to specifically and definably intervene in our life, though we may shield ourselves from disappointment, we also preclude the possibility of experiencing a miracle. We need to risk disappointment in prayer. He says, I can live in a world where not all of my prayers are answered but I cannot live in a world where a prayer answering God is never called upon and thus absent. Pastor Phil and Shelly are going to come out and we're going to have a time of response and we've got some people who are our prayer team and all they're going to do is just be available. So if, if prayer team, if you'd come to your spots as well, we're going to have some of up front, some in the middle, if you're in the back and don't want to come down that far. If you're in the balcony, we've got somebody that's right outside of those doors. Online, we've got people that would love to chat and pray with you. Today, did you come because it's routine? Today, did you come because you wanted to witness others' excitement and the hoopla of a crowd? seeing them experiencing Jesus, but expecting yourself to just sit and be a witness to it? Or did you come with a heavy heart? Did you come with something that it's, um, that it's been burdening you? Did you come with a specific request and all you want to say is, Lord, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me. Because my opinion is, we've been praying over this as some of our staff and some of these people that are around here. We've been praying that some of you would feel the Spirit and that you would hear from us around this room, us say, hey, cheer up. He's calling for you. If you need to confess, if there's a relationship, if there's a hurt, if there's an illness, if there is a money problem, if there is a, a relationship problem with a grown 
Kid, be specific, be bold. This is not a magical thing. Am I saying that your prayers are definitely gonna be answered today? No, I'm not promising that. But how will you experiencing delight if you don't risk disappointment? I believe God wants to meet you where you are. He's calling to us. Cheer up, get on your feet. He's calling to you. So would you stand with us as Pastor Phil leads us in this song that says, Lord, I need you. And if you see those people that can pray with you and you wanna move that direction, please do that. They've got anointing oil, I believe. And then I'll come up and, and close us in prayer. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing knee, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides me.
who are still praying if you would be respectful of them as you leave be the crowd that says to them he's calling you and as you hear God move through this facility through this city through your life this week cry out to him with boldness may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Go with God and be the church that he's called us to be. Amen.